Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. There you are. Amen. Amen. Today, as you're having a seat, get your Bibles and go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. The title of today's message is Courage in Dark Times. Courage in Dark Times. 2 Chronicles chapter number 20 contains one of the most loved stories probably in all of the Bible. You may have heard a wonderful sermon preached on 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. Most of the time when we hear it, it's associated with praise. It's associated with song. It's associated with worship. And I believe that there are some direct parallels. And as we read through the scriptures today and as you read on your own time, 2 Chronicles 20, you might see those things and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to minister those things to you on your own. But today, I want to talk to you about courage in dark times because the context of what's going on in 2 Chronicles 20 really has to do with how we face an uncertain future. Let me give you what's going on in the story. There's a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, many of you guys know as Jumpin' Jehoshaphat. I don't ever see him jumping in the Bible, but for some reason, he got that name. But Jehoshaphat was a good king in Israel. He was actually over the nation of Judah, right? The, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin had broken off from the tribes of Israel. And so here, Jehoshaphat was ruling over the, the nation of Judah at that time from Jerusalem. Here, he has a heart for God. And so he was very blessed in his lifetime, and yet there were some things that he didn't do so good. He aligned himself with the wicked king Ahab of Israel, and so that brought some trouble into his life. But overall, the Bible records that he had a sincere heart for the Lord and that he was blessed because of that. There came a time where Jehoshaphat heard word that there were three armies coming to make war with him, Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir. All three of these nations had banded together and were coming after Israel. Now, the Bible records that Israel hadn't done anything to provoke this. In fact, when Israel came in, they passed them up and they treated them nice. And guess what? Now, they're getting evil repaid for their good. And so, Jehoshaphat is afraid. Obviously, right? You got three armies coming at you. That would be the natural response. And so, he allows that fear to push him into the right response and the right action, and he prays, and he seeks the Lord, and he calls a fast for all of Israel, for all of Judah, for all of Jerusalem to pray, to fast, and to seek God. And so, here, he gathers together with the leaders of Judah there in Jerusalem, and they're praying and seeking the Lord. And at that time, God gives his response to their prayers through a prophetic word. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I want to start reading in verse number 15 and read down through verse number 17. Let's take a look at it together in 2 Chronicles 20, 15 through 17. The prophet's speaking, and he said, Listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Verse number 16, tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. And just in case they didn't get the message the first time, God repeats himself at the end of this sentence. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. What I find in these verses is that there is a picture of what courage looks like. If we don't understand what courage looks like, then we can't operate in what God wants us to operate in. 
We'll operate in whatever we think, whatever we feel, whatever we see out there in the world. And the world has a picture of courage that I would consider to be more like bravado, you know? It, it, it's false. It, it's standing up. It's, it's trying to, to be courageous without having the elements that I believe that God wants us to have. But if we will understand what courage looks like from a biblical standpoint, then we can model that behavior in our lives. And I believe that there are battles that we face that God wants us to win. You know, God wants you to be successful. God wants you to win the battles of life. God wants you to be victorious in your marriage. He wants you to be victorious in your parenting. He wants you to be victorious in your finances. He wants you to be victorious in your influence and in your witness for Jesus Christ in your community, in your family, in your neighborhood, and all over the world. As God has called you to be his witness on the earth, to live life out loud in front of others, that God wants you to succeed so that you can tell others about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, what do we see? What courage looks like from these scriptures? First thing that I see in these scriptures is this. What courage looks like? Number one thing is this, is no fear. No fear. Now, I've heard it said, and you probably have heard this said too, that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's doing what you need to do afraid. Now, I get that, and I understand that, and I, I can accept that. I understand that. All right, I, I, I get what you're saying. But the Bible tells us very clearly that God told them, do not fear. Many times in the Bible when Jesus shows up was the first thing he says, fear not. Don't be afraid, right? He's walking on the water over the waters and the disciples cry out and he says, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Angel shows up, right? Boom, out of nowhere. Beam me up, Jesus, right? The angel just, poof, there he is. And I would imagine that was a troubling thing to many people, but what do you hear out of the angel's mouth when they show up? What's the first thing they say? Fear not. Don't be afraid. You know what that shows me? That shows me that even though things might startle us, things might trouble us, things might cause us to be afraid, that we have a choice whether or not we're going to operate in that fear or whether we're going to reject that fear. See, there may be fear present, but courage says, I'm going to choose not to be afraid right now. Fear is a choice. You know what else fear is? Fear is a spirit. You can find that in the New Testament when Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, fear is a choice, but fear is also a spirit that will try and come against us, but we choose not to receive that spirit of fear. That's of the world. That's of the enemy. And fear itself is an enemy of our soul. But we choose to operate in the spirit of God, which is the spirit of power which is the spirit of love and which will give us a sound mind. We can have the right thinking about the situations that we're facing. Why? Because fear will actually lead you to very wrong things. Have you ever noticed that? Fear is troubling and fear will cause you to do the wrong things. Let's take a look at it in the Word of God. Turn with me to the New Testament. Keep your finger there in Chronicles. We'll get back to Chronicles in a moment, but I want to take a look at the New Testament. Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter 2 is talking about the excellency of Jesus and how much greater Jesus is than everything else. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 14 and verse number 15, it says this. It says, Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, speaking of Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now I want to key in on verse number 15. And release those who through, what's that little four-letter word right there that starts with F, and it's not the bad one out there, and it's not the big dog. What, what is that little four-letter word right there? Fear. Oh, come on, shout it at me. What's that word? Fear. fear. Who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to what? Bondage. Bondage. Notice that fear of death 
led to bondage. In other words, when we were without hope, when we were without Jesus because we were afraid of what would happen after we died, it causes us to act a certain way. Fear led us to bondage. It it led us to rebel against God. It led us to do our own thing. But now in Christ, he's defeated the devil. He's defeated death by the power of his blood on the cross. And now we no longer are subject to the bondage of the enemy. Why? Because we've been released from that fear. And now we're free to serve the Lord. In the same way, think about this for a second. Fear will lead you to bad things, the wrong things. Fear of what people will think of you will cause you to lie. I don't want them to think the wrong thing about me, and I want them to think that I'm part of this. I want, I want to be a part of what they're doing. I want them to like me. And so I may not like that type of music, but I'll say that I do so that they'll accept me. Fear will cause you to participate in activities and actions that you wouldn't have normally participated in. You know, I'm normally not a drinker, but everybody else was drinking, and so I just figured, oh, I don't usually smoke, but they handed it to me and said, do you want some? And, and so I did it. See, fear will lead you to the wrong things, fear of acceptance, fear of approval of other people. Well, what if they don't like me? What if they don't accept me? Fear of missing out is a big thing right now. People are looking online panning through all the different things that people are taking pictures of and posting. I want to make sure that I get in on this action. People are afraid to miss out, and so they run around, and they end up doing things and staying out later than they should and spending more money than they should just so that they don't miss out. Fear will cause you to do the wrong things. It'll take you to the wrong conclusions. What if I lose them? Maybe Maybe I should do more. Maybe we should go jump in bed because they're telling me that if we don't start making this physical thing happen, then then they're going to leave, and I don't want them See, fear will cause you to do the wrong things. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You don't have to operate in that fear any longer. In 1937, the Golden Gate Bridge was the longest suspension bridge in the world. During the first phase of the project, 23 men fell to their death. There were very few safety devices, and things seemed to be going from bad to worse. So when it seemed to be going so wrong and was halfway completed, they decided to make some changes. They reorganized, and they built the largest net ever made and attached it to the area where the men were working. Was it worth the cost? Was it worth the time that it took? Well, I would start by asking the 10 men who were saved by the net. I think they would tell us, yes, it was worth it. But not only that, the work was actually done sooner than planned because they no longer were afraid to fall. See, the Bible tells us that now there is a net. There is a hand that holds us. It's God's hand. God says, no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Did you know that you are in the grip of grace? God has you. God has an ability available to you. God will carry you through. And if you fall, if you fail, God will hold you up even in those moments. Wow, you don't have to be afraid of failure. You don't have to be afraid of the approval and acceptance of man. You don't have to be afraid of an unknown future. You don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen if they shut down again or what if I get sick or what if things take place. No longer do you need to be held in bondage to the fear that the devil would try and bring against you. You can be free in Christ because God's got you. But notice that it says do not be afraid nor dismayed. Now, not only does that roll off the tongue really nice. I like the way that it rhymes, right? Be not afraid nor dismayed. I love that. But what does it mean to be dismayed? Have you ever thought about that for a second? 
I know I'm not supposed to be afraid, and I understand what that is. I'm not supposed to fear, but what does it mean to be dismayed? You know, fear will lead you to the wrong things, right? Dismay means to fall apart, to have a breakdown, to be shattered to pieces. See, when fear comes at your life, no longer will you hold things together, but now things will start falling apart. If you've been having breakdowns lately, could it be that there's a fear that you need to face, something that you need to get out of your life and cast that spirit out in the name of Jesus. God doesn't want you falling apart. God wants to hold you together by the power of his word. And so that's why God brings this word that says fear not. Do not be afraid. That's what courage looks like from a biblical standpoint is number one, no fear. But number two is this. What does courage look like? Number two is this, is facing the issues. You got to face the issue. Why? Because that's what courage would have you to do. You need to go and stand toe-to-toe with the issues that are facing you. Face the issue. Mid-2020, Denver Broncos left tackle Garrett Bowles was headed toward a make-it-or-break-it contract year after the team declined his fifth-year option. With no off-season workouts due to COVID-19 and a long list of items that needed fixing on the field, Bowles dug in and made one of the most dramatic off-season makeovers Broncos had ever seen. He did it by working against the best pass rusher he could find during a pandemic, his wife, Natalie. He, he said this, he said, I took it upon myself to know that there's always something that can be done. You can always run, you can always take sets, and I took sets in my kitchen barefoot so when I got my proper spot, I knew exactly how the weight was supposed to be between my feet and toes. I had my wife line up and she would run after me so I could get into the repetition of continuing to do the same thing over and over again. Bulls took every avenue he could off season to get better and the extra practice paid off. He became one of the highest-graded tackles in the league, number two among left tackles, and he went on to sign a four-year contract extension that averages $17 million per year, making him the fifth-highest-paid tackle in the league in average dollars per year. Bowles was courageous enough to face his issues and do something about it when it looked like nothing could be done. You know, it takes courage to go out and war against armies. Think about the children of Israel here in the nation of Judah and Jerusalem. They didn't just have one army, not just two armies, but three armies coming against them. And God says, I want you to go out and face them. That took courage to go out and face their enemies. Took courage to go out there and face their issues. Took courage. Why? Because what if God's wrong? What if I get out there and they whip me? What if I get out there and they kill me? My goodness. But courage says, I'm not going to be afraid, and I'm going to go out and face the issues. I wonder what issues are facing you. I wonder what armies, what overwhelming circumstances, what things are coming at you. Is it your health? Is it your finances? Or is it your health and your finances? Is it your relationships? Is it your marriage? Is it your children? Or is it all three of them? Everything's falling apart all around you. Is it the addiction that you've struggled with all your life, it seems like? God is saying, hey, don't hide from it. I want you to go out. I want you to find it, and I want you to fight it. But guess what? Just like the children of Israel, they got there, and you know what happened when they got to the place where God spoke to them? God had routed the armies. The Bible says that he set ambushes against them, that when they put their praises out in front, as soon as they opened up their mouth and started to praise God, that these ambushes were set against these armies, and the armies turned against one another, Moab against Ammon, and Ammon against Seir, and Seir against Moab, and they fought with each other, and not one of them was left alive. 
So the children of Israel went out to face the army, and when they got to the place, here they are praising God, and they show up to face their enemies, and they found their enemies fallen on the ground dead. What does that mean to you, and what does that mean to me today? Did you know that there is not one enemy that is named, that is above the name, which is above every name? His name is Jesus. Do you know that there's not one foe that will stand in victory when it comes to Jesus? No addiction, no affliction, no sin, no, no stain. There's nothing that's going to stand up against the power of Jesus. And when you go out to face your issues, your issues have already fallen down at the cross of Jesus Christ. You already have the victory. That enemy that's coming against you is a defeated foe. But you have to walk in the victory that God has given to you. You got to go out and face the issue. But when you find it, you'll find it defeated at the feet of Jesus. Some of you guys don't believe me. Some of you guys are thinking, Pastor, I, I've tried to face this before. I, I went to a 12-step program, and it didn't work. Listen, I didn't say go to a 12-step program. I said face your issue by the power of Jesus Christ. I got nothing against 12 steps. I, I know that they have helped people, and I'm glad for that, and they might help you. They might give you tools. But listen, you're not going to overcome by the power of a 12-step. Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, not loving our lives even unto death. I'm going to rapid fire three scriptures at you just to show you this from the word of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory where? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not through a program, not through behavior modification, not through the 12 step, not through the psychology and philosophies of man, not through education, none of those things. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph where? In Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. How about this one? Romans chapter 8, verse number 37. Yet in all these things, what things? All the problems, all the processes, all the trials, all the tribulations, every enemy that we face, every battle that we fight, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Where? Through him who loved us. God loves you. God loves you enough to go to the cross and take your issues on himself. Take your sin and your sickness, your pain. Whatever enemy you face, it has to fall down at the name of Jesus. But you've got to go out there and you've got to face your issue. Be honest. Don't try and hide it. Listen, if you need to go out there and go talk to somebody about it, if you need to make an appointment with somebody here at the church, whatever you've got to do to get free, you've got to do that to get free. But you don't go out there on your own to get the victory. No, you go out there in the power of the name of Jesus and in the power of his resurrection and about the power of his blood. And when you face your enemy, they're already defeated. They've got to fall down at the blood of Jesus. Last one for us today is this. What does courage look like? What does courage look like? Courage looks like no fear. Courage looks like face the issues. But last one is this. Courage looks like acting in faith. You've got to act in faith. Whatever God has called you to do, you've got to go out there and do it because faith will get to the answer before you ever see the manifestation. There were three little boys that were all bragging on their daddies one time, talking about how fast their dads were. One of them said, my dad is so fast that he can wind up on a pitcher's mound throw a baseball, run ahead of the ball, and go out there, get his catcher's mitt on, and catch the ball before it gets to home plate. Another kid said, ah, that's nothing. My dad is so fast, he can line up a rifle 
at 100 yards at a target, shoot the rifle, run ahead of the bullet, and set the target in the place where it's going to land on the bullseye before the bullet ever gets there. Last kid said, both of you guys are amateurs. My dad is so fast. He gets off work every day at 4 o'clock, and he gets home by 3.30. <laughs> Listen, faith, faith, faith is fast. Faith sees the answer and receives it before it ever manifests in the natural. Faith receives it before you ever see it. You will see your victory before you see your victory. Can anybody say amen to that? Still got your finger in 2 Chronicles chapter 20? Turn back there with me. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse number 20. I want to give us 2020 vision today of what God wants us to see from the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. Look at what it says. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Look at what he says. He says, Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Now, the word believe and the word established in the Old Testament Hebrew are the word amen. You know that word is the word that you say at the end of your prayers. And we think of it as like, well, I'm going to close up this book. I'm going to hang up the phone. We're done talking, God. I'll see you later. That's not what amen means. Amen means so be it. It is established on the earth. So he says, when you say amen to the word of the Lord your God, it will be an amen in your life. Whatever you believe from God will be received in the natural. It will be established. It will be settled on the earth. Then he goes on to say, believe his prophets. Say amen to the word that you hear, that living and active word that's coming forth. The, the New Testament Greek calls it a rhema. It is a powerful, sharp, living, active word. It's a now word. It's a spoken word. See, there might be a time where you're reading your Bible, and as you read your Bible, God just lights something up off the page for you. It just slaps you in the face like a two-by-four, like, whoa, my, that, that, that's, God's speaking this to me right now. Might be that in your prayer time, God whispers something to you, and that's a rhema word to you. That's a now word. It's a spoken word. Sometimes you come into church service and one of the ushers, one of the greeters, one of the people greets you and they say, hey, today is your day. God's going to do something in your life. And whoa, man, that was, a, that was a word for me today. Sometimes you come into church service, you sit around, right, pressing into the presence of God, listen to what pastor has to say. And did you know that we prophesy at this church? Every time we declare the word of God, that is a prophetic word for your life. That's why we want you to get into church is because God wants to speak to you about your life. He wants to speak to you about your marriage. He wants to speak to you about your business, about how to raise your kids, about how to be a witness and a testimony. God wants to speak to you about how to get free, how to defeat the enemies. But you're not going to get that sitting around doing nothing. No, you get that when you get into the Word of God, and it says, believe His prophets, and you shall prosper. See, when you get a word from God that lines up with the Bible, not some goofy person, though, say it the Lord, you're supposed to give me all your money. That is not God. That's not what the Word of God has to say. No, the Bible says to the storehouse that you're being fed from, you bring your tithes and your offerings, right? That sort of a thing. Be generous, but it doesn't say be foolish. Hello, come on, somebody. That doesn't line up with the Word of God. But else, guess what else? It's got to line up with your spirit. And you might say, that, doesn't line up. that does not line up with my spirit. Times people have told me things. I said, nah, does not line up with my spirit. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, doesn't line up with your spirit, then guess what? Then you reject it. But... 
if it lines up with the word of God and it lines up with your spirit, what God has already been dealing with, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every matter be established. When God speaks something to you and you see it in his word and you hear it and you're encouraged and you receive it, then guess what? It says you shall prosper. My goodness, you're going to grow. You're going to be blessed. You're going to get free. You're going to get delivered. You're going to get healed. Why? Because you said yes to the word of God. You said amen. It's going to happen. So be it on the earth. And then you believed. You said amen to the word that was coming through that prophetic utterance. And now all of a sudden, you will prosper in it. Bible records that Jehoshaphat put the singers out in front. They praised God. They started to say, thank you, Lord. They, they said, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Before they ever saw battle, before they ever saw victory, they praised and thanked God. They acted in faith. God acted in faithfulness. God spoke. They believed. They obeyed. God delivered. When they did the work of faith, God did his work of deliverance and providing for his promise. Can anybody say amen today? And God good. Today, I wonder what the name of your enemies are. Fear, lack, poverty, sickness, insecurity, shame, addiction. What are the names of your enemies? Because all of those names have to bow at the name of Jesus. They are all defeated foes, and God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. God has a destiny. And as you hear the word of the Lord and as you act in faith, then you will see the victory that God has for you. You'll show up to the place where God told you to go, doing the things that God told you to do. And as you praise God, guess what? You will see the victory before you ever see the victory. God wants you to be free. God wants you to be healed. God wants you to be delivered. God wants you to prosper. God wants your family to be blessed. God wants your children growing up serving the Lord. God wants you to have a fulfilled and successful life. It all happens because we make the choice to be a courageous person even in dark times. You might have more enemies than you could shake a stick at. But when you start to get a hold of the word of God and you don't fear, no fear, get that out of there. Make the choice. I'm going to operate in the spirit of God. Face your issues. Go out as God has commanded you to. Be courageous. Stand up. Admit it. Tell it. Work with it. Get after it. But you got to act in faith. Whatever God has told you to do, as you do it, God will bring you the victories and the deliverance that you need for your life. If you got something from the Word of God today, come on, give God a great big praise. Today, I want to take a couple of minutes before we dismiss. I'm going to ask everybody to remain seated during this time. This is not time to get up and run out. Come on, stay seated today. God has some more that He wants to do in our lives and in this church service. Don't log off online yet. Come on, stay with us. God wants to do something in your life. He wants to continue this good work that he started through this word. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes at this time? And let's take a moment and let's pray together. And I'm going to ask you a question that I want you to turn into a prayer. What is God speaking to you? Would you just pray that prayer and ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you speaking to me? For some of you, God is saying to make the choice to not be afraid. No fear. 
Maybe right now you need to cast that spirit of fear out. Command it to flee in the name of Jesus. And welcome once again the Spirit of God. And just be filled right now with a fresh breath. Breathe in deep. Spirit of God right now. Some of you, God is saying to go out and face your issues. He's given you specifics, a plan. Write it down. I know if I don't write stuff down, I forget it. I don't want you to forget what God tells you to do. Maybe you need to go home and get rid of some stuff that's in your house. Get those magazines, those drugs. Maybe you need to delete some videos, some phone numbers. Cut those attachments. Maybe you need to have a conversation. You need to sign up for Breaking Free when it comes around in the next month or so. Face those issues head on by the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and in his name. What's God speaking to you? Today, God might be giving you faith steps, actions that you can act in faith. Maybe it's a word, maybe it's a scripture. Maybe you got a rhema in your spirit. God is speaking to you. Again, write it down. And say, Lord, I believe. See it in your spirit right now. See your children growing up, serving the Lord. See your marriage healthy and strong. See your business prospering and blessed. See your neighbors and your community getting saved. See those relationships flourishing. Can you see it? Because if you can, if you can see it by faith, then you'll see it in the natural. Believe the Lord, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Father, today, we say amen to your promises. So be it in our lives. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.